On this episode of Own Your Business, I'll share four tips for compelling proposals. We'll talk about why selling wedding services is so hard, how to design a successful sales process, three mistakes most wedding pros make with their pricing guides, why custom proposals work best, and four key components of every custom proposal. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. One of the biggest challenges wedding pros face is their clients don't get a chance to sample the services before making a purchase. Now, weddings are really expensive. When you go through and you think about the kinds of purchases that a client could make, a couple could make before getting married, that would be something close to a wedding. There's really not many. You have maybe a house, you have a car, you have college. You know, there's really not much else that I can think of that is going to cost anywhere close to the amount that a wedding would. And many couples are paying for this themselves for the first time. And as they go through and they they make this big decision and they make the choices, they're in new territory. They're making decisions together as a couple, maybe for the first time. And it can be fraught with stress and tension. If you go through and you think about what it looks like to, I don't know, buy a house, for instance, you get a chance to walk through the house. You can go through and drive the neighborhood. You can walk to the parks and visit the schools that are in the area. If you wanted to buy a car, let's say you're dropping 20, 30, 40K on a car, you could go out and you could look at it. You could test drive it. You could test drive it as many times as you want to and really get a chance to try it on for size. Let's say you were going to college and you know, you're going to drop 100K over a four-year period, or maybe your parents were, then you get a chance to go to the campus and you can walk around the campus. You can talk with the professors. You can even sit in on a classroom. So if you get into the head of a 27 to 35-year-old and you go through and you think about big purchases that they have been a part of, whether they made it themselves directly or they had some help from friends or family members in making the purchases, they almost always had a chance to try it on for size. But that's just not the case with wedding services. And so it's really tough for us as wedding professionals to create the kind of connection, but also trust that what we're going to offer them is going to meet their needs and fulfill those desires. Some people in the wedding industry, depending on what field you're in, do have an opportunity to do this. For instance, I worked at a venue for a number of years and I did hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of venue tours. We did catering in-house. And so there was an opportunity to do food tastings. That was something that Boy, everybody really wanted to give a shot. And we didn't really do tastings per se before the purchase, although we did have them eat in our restaurant, which had somewhat similar food. And that gave them a a sense of it. And that provided some relief. And there are others out there outside of venues and food providers. Floral designers can do prototypes or samples before making a purchase. 
Uh, people who are, are doing invitation or paper suites can provide samples. If you uh, provide linen or, or rentals, tabletop or furniture, you can have them come down to the studio and they can touch and, and sit in the different sampled items that they might be interested in. Hair and makeup artists can do trials. Even photographers, if you wanted to, could do engagement sessions or, or some kind of portrait session. But even those fields have less chance these days, especially post-pandemic, or at least in the waning days of what will hopefully be the waning days of, of the pandemic, where people are less likely to do in-person purchase decisions. What we have to do is we have to think about how can we sell our services and build that trust and build the value and the desire for what it is that we're offering when we don't get a chance for our clients to sample what it is that we do. In addition to all of those challenges, it's not just one person who's making the choice. Ultimately, there's going to be most likely two, if not more, an entire group that's involved. And if you work in luxury, you might not even get a chance to talk with the client directly. You might have to work through a planner. If you're downstream and a planner is referring out the different vendor categories, the planner may be the one who's organizing the information and presenting it to the client. For all of these reasons, your sales proposals, your service proposals for clients to book you has to be absolutely dynamite. I mean, it has got to be the most incredible thing that they have seen as they go through the, the decision-making process. Because at the end of the day, you may not get a chance to actually be in the room and do the selling with them. They may not have an opportunity to have tasted your, your services or tried things out for size. And so your proposal has to do that hard work for you. Let's go through real quickly before we dive into what it is that a great sales proposal looks like for a wedding professional. And let's just talk about the sales process as a whole. You know, this is something that I think is really helpful. Katie always reminds me to provide some context for some of the things that we're talking about as we drill into them, something like a sales proposal, because many people sell differently. And I would recommend to different clients at different times with different types of buyers, different markets and different fields to sell differently as well. But I would recommend having this type of approach, which is that you have a website and your website has a contact form. Somehow they get into your inbox. Okay. So once they land in your inbox, you're sending out a response in hopes of getting them on a phone call. And once you get them on the phone call, you go through the discovery process, both for you to discover what it is that they want and need, and also for them to discover what it is that they want and need. Because oftentimes when they first inquire, they really truly don't know the underlying needs that they have. So that discovery process is really qualifying event for you and for them to see if it's going to be a good fit. If it is, for any number of reasons, including budget, you then have an opportunity to send out a proposal. So I recommend getting a second phone call on the books with the potential client to talk about the proposal that you will send out. And you do that while you're on the discovery call. So you end the call by setting up another call. Then you send out an email recap of what you chatted about. And then you send out a proposal. And then you get on that phone call that you'd already set up to talk about the proposal and answer any questions or hopefully talk about next steps like putting some money in your bank account and signing a contract. So that's a quick little step-by-step -step on what the ideal sales process should look like or start around for most wedding professionals. So 
inquiry, get them on the phone, do discovery call, send out email recap, send out proposal, have that second phone call that you've set up, and then hopefully close the deal and get to contract and deposit. The website then does some of the sales work for you. And we've talked about that on this podcast many times. And you've seen it in a lot of the content that we create with ID Action because we know how important it is to provide that information ahead of time that piques their interest and gets them excited about working with you. And, and ultimately, that's one of the things that we want your website to do is get them to inquire. And then the discovery call is that point where you get an opportunity to connect with them. On the discovery call, you're not actually selling anything. The proposal is where you sell. The discovery call is where you connect. So you're going through and you're qualifying them, you're building trust, you're building rapport, you're learning about them and and you're getting them to like you and to trust you and to understand more about what it's like to potentially work with you. And then after that discovery call, that's when you send out the proposal and your proposal is what's selling. That document has to be absolutely incredible. If it's not, it's not going to close the deal. And one of the things that I see quite a bit in the wedding industry is a proposal that is really not a pitch for services, but is more of a menu, a menu of services. And this is one of the challenges I think that a lot of wedding professionals face. And, you know, a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, you know, the big thing that, that we spent a lot of time on in the education space was how to help people stop getting ghosted. And with the demand on services and and the craziness of the pandemic, that hasn't been as much of a problem. But one of the big reasons that a lot of wedding couples don't end up following up with wedding pros when they send out information is that it's sent out in a menu format. And the menu format is problematic for a number of different reasons. But I think probably the biggest one is that it creates what's called the paradox of choice in the buyer. And the paradox of choice is when you provide people with too many options, oftentimes they are not able to make a decision. Um, There's a very famous jam study. If you want to look at these field experiments that have been done where there were two different end aisle grocery store sample stations that were created. One had 24 jams and people were asked to go through and pick which one they liked and buy it. The other one had six and the one with six far outsold the one with 24. There's an entire book written by a guy named Barry Schwartz on the paradox of choice. He may even have been the one who coined the term. And there's lots of other research that goes through and shows that when people are presented with too many options, they oftentimes are unable to move forward. They get analysis paralysis. And so we want to help provide a path forward for our couples by not overwhelming them with a big, huge menu of options. And this is this is pretty challenging for a lot of wedding pros when they throw out, you know, a la carte or, uh, you know, I see a lot of photographers, for instance, putting out tons of information about albums and prints up front, uh, you know, down to the size or, or the, the texture of the album cover. And those are overwhelming the buyer. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're not putting out too many options for people. Plus, if we're in the premium or luxury space, you know, those kinds of buyers are used to a guided experience from the salesperson. They want to be guided through the process with recommendations so that they don't have to think so hard. And they know that they're getting the recommendations that are going to fit their needs the most. So we don't want our proposal to be a traditional pricing guide uh, with a menu of options. Another 
challenging area that I see wedding pros kind of stumble through is that when you do send out a proposal or, or you have a pricing guide is that you make it about you. Oftentimes, that's the very first thing that you do is you try to convince them that you are somebody who has the credentials or the experience or the publications or the awards or the personality that is going to win them over. And so the very first thing that you put into the proposal is something about you, but this isn't about you. This is about them and what you can do for them and their family and their needs. And so by starting about you, you've turned the tables and focused on the wrong person, the wrong people. And then one of the other big mistakes that I see wedding pros make oftentimes in their proposals when they do send them out is that they provide packages or pricing without context. Now, there's really nothing that has any absolute value in the world. What we do is we go through and we look at something, especially that's new to us, and we go, okay, what is this like and how is it different? And is it more or less valuable or less, more or less important to us? And are we willing to pay more or less than other things that we're familiar with? And so if we offer our services and pricing for our services without any context compared to other things that they would be getting by describing what it is that they get with benefit statements, then people don't really know what kind of value they should look for and feel comfortable paying. So those are some of the things that oftentimes I see wedding pros do and go astray. Now, when we go through and we look at what are some characteristics of great proposals that you want to send out, what we want to do is we want to do obviously the opposite of these things that could be bringing down your conversion rate. One of them is that we want to make the proposal a reflection of the couple and their desires, what's most important to them. We know that when we mirror behavior and we mirror language or words back to people that they feel comfortable, they like us, they feel like they're being heard and understood. And, and all of those things are super critical if we want to get people to trust us. So reflecting and mirroring back their desires and, and even the exact words that they use is very, very helpful when we're presenting a proposal for services. It's also an opportunity to put yourself as the perfect solution. So we want to set up not just what they want, but also the challenges or obstacles that they're running into and getting these, these needs met. And then what we want to do is position ourselves as the person who can provide this solution for them. So we want to set that up in copywriting. It's a, a problem agitate solve formula. Uh, third thing is we want to make sure that we're reassuring the couple that you are a good pick. Ultimately, at the end of the decision-making process, we want to instill a reassurance that you are the best choice or at least the least risky choice out of the people that are in the finalists. So we want to make sure that we're spending some time and showing them that we are a good pick. Another thing that we want to do is we want to take the chance to connect the dots of what you do and how they benefit from it. So what you do is important, the features, and then also the benefits, what they get from it is important. And we need to not only just name those, but we need to connect them in the proposal as well so they understand what your services do for them. It may seem clear to you, but this is kind of the curse of knowledge is that you know that, but they don't because they haven't done this before. So it's on your shoulders to give them that information. And then the last thing that we want to do with a proposal is we want to make sure that it's a platform for you to share and make the pitch to people that you haven't had a chance yet to talk to. Oftentimes, if you do get a call, it's going to be one person who's on that call, that discovery call where you get to form the connection and you know, build a rapport and answer the questions and, and go through and, and have that opportunity. But if you don't have the chance with other people, which is 
most likely the case, who are involved in making the decision, then you've got to find a way to connect with them and to share with them. Because I don't know about you, but I would not want to trust anybody else to sell my services other than me. If you are the owner of your business or the leader in your business, you know better than anybody else what it is that you do that will help the people that you work with the most. And so we want you to be the person who's making the pitch. We want you to be the person who is communicating all those great things that you do. We don't want to rely on somebody that you had a 20, 30 minute conversation with to be the person to pitch your services. Your proposal is the way that you do that because you get it in front of the people who you don't get a chance to talk to rather than relying on somebody else to do the sales for you. I'm going to give you four key components here that I want you to make sure that you consider as you go through and create your next proposal. So here are four key components that are uh, super solid takeaways for you to apply to your next proposal. Uh, number one, you make the intro about the buyer. So I mentioned a few minutes ago about how important it was to mirror the language and and desires back to the buyer. That's what we want to start with. We want to get them to recognize that we heard what was important to them. We want to remind them that this is what they're hoping to get out of the services that you're offering. And we want to do that in the very beginning. We want to hook them with the story about them. You know, Sarah and Steve, this is what you told me you found important. This is what you wanted. And so we start off with that. That's really important. Another thing that's really important is that we are presenting our services and our pricing through the best methods that we know with scientific research. So it's not just throwing out your services and bullet points and putting pricing and hoping that it works. There are ways to design your products and pricing and present them so that you have the highest likelihood of getting somebody to not just choose you, but choose a very specific set of services that you're offering. And so we want to make sure that we're not haphazardly putting our services and pricing out there, that we're, we're using choice architecture and best practices through the behavioral science studies that are out there. And there are many, many tactics that can be used, and all of them are incredibly helpful, and they should be leveraged as much as possible. A third component of a very successful proposal is going to be including competitive advantage statements. You know, when somebody is product aware, when they're comparing one product versus another versus another, they want to know why is one different and therefore better than the other. And so if you can make that very, very clear to them what it is that you do and how it's different and why it's better than others that they're looking at, then you're going to have a definite leg up on the competition. So we want to make sure we're including some, some statements in the proposal that lay that out. And then a last component that's really important because we know that, again, reassurance is crucial to letting people know that you are a good bet and a low risk when it comes to picking because, again, they don't really get a chance to try things out. They have to trust what other people are saying. And so social proof is incredibly powerful when you're putting your proposal together. I'd say probably... Two-thirds of the proposals that I look over when I do proposal audits for my clients do not have any form of social proof in them. So the most powerful form of social proof is going to be a testimonial from somebody who is very similar to the particular client that you're making the pitch to. Things that you can do in there to even help more are to include a picture and a first name so that they have uh, some identification as well. And we want to put probably you know three or four pieces of social proof, whether it's testimonial or as seen ins as part of the proposal so that 
you can have that in there to offer that reassurance. I know this sounds like a lot of work, um, but I can tell you and assure you that a good proposal with a solid template to start from takes anywhere between 10 to maybe 20 minutes for most wedding professionals to create. It's going to be a lot less work over the course of booking out your calendar because the amount of people who are going to see this proposal and love what they see and want to book your services and pay more for your services because they desire it and value it and feel so much more reassured is going to far outweigh the additional time that you put in there. It's certainly worth it. A lot of people that I talk to tell me nobody's reading anymore. Nobody goes through and reads proposals. So I I wanted to end the episode with this little story about one of our clients that we were working with. She and I went through and and we looked at several months worth of uh, metrics on the proposals that were being sent out. Here's what we found. The conversion rate on the proposals was in the mid 40s. Almost half of the people who were seeing the proposals were booking the services. So that was excellent. Here's the really interesting part. The people who did not book the services, there were an average of four unique views. And those unique views totaled about four minutes worth of view time on the proposal. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. The number of times that the proposals that did book, they were looked at 23 times on average, 23 unique views. The total amount of time that those 23 visits were were clocked in at was 45 minutes. So the people who ended up booking the services for this high-end photographer, they looked at her proposals for an average of 23 times for 45 minutes before making the decision. So we we know that they weren't looking at just the pricing. They were looking at all of the other things. And we knew that it wasn't just one person or two people or even three people looking at it. It was multiple people looking at it for several minutes. And this to me was just, you know, firm proof that if you put the information in front of people and you do it in a way that's interesting and compelling and creates a story that people will look at it and they will be persuaded by it. And ultimately they will book your services at a higher rate, not just conversion rate, but also dollar value. And ultimately that's what we want. If you are interested in learning more about uh, proposal services and proposal templates, we do offer a proposal template specifically for ShowIt, although we do copywriting and wireframing for any content platform that's out there. If you use Dubsado or a different website with a hidden web page, you can take our proposal template and basically crib it and then recreate it and use it in whatever platform that you have. So check out the show notes. Uh, There'll be a link in there to our landing page that has more information on this. The sales proposal is one of the most important pieces of your sales process and certainly something that you should spend some time getting set up correctly. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 